0: Listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. You worked all week.
1: Work, 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 work.
0: You didn't have time to look at your fantasy lineups, son of a. But don't be afraid. <laughs> That's why we give you weekend fantasy update. Woo-hoo!
1: Welcome back. Hour number three. Thanks for joining us on Weekend Fantasy Update. After this show, George is going to stick around. So we're here until 12. After this show, George is going to stick around with Cam Stewart from 12 to 3 for Weekend Wagers. So he'll be talking about uh, games uh, that are ongoing in Major League Baseball. They'll be talking about NFL futures, I'm sure. Uh, and I'm sure the Colts will be a topic as well. Uh, to recap news this morning or late yesterday was Colts coach Frank Reich said Andrew Luck will sit out the next three days of practice. We just spent about 40 minutes talking about the Colts. He said that Luck was not ready to take the next step. The team This affirms the team will continue to move their franchise play caller along slowly with an eye on week one, now going on three months. Lux injury is becoming a genuine concern, especially since he's currently being drafted as Fantasy's QB two. That's all according to Roto World. So they are um yeah, Yannick and which are we're talking about the Jaguars right now. Yannick Ngakwe reported to camp as of this morning. Uh so he's in Jaguars camp. He's looking for a long term deal. He didn't get it. And uh here we are. So Let's move over to uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars, guys. And I'll give you their odds, according to FanDuel Sportsbook, their odds to make the playoffs. The Jacksonville Jaguars are plus 205 to make the playoffs. So I remember talking about this with Cam and Gabe Marenzi a couple of eh, – probably a month and a half ago, George. And generally – each year, a team goes from worst to first in the division. I believe it's happened 15 of 16 years, something like that. Happens almost every year. And when you look at last year's last-place teams, eh, there isn't a lot to be confident in. you got the Jets, 4-12. and 12. You probably need an injury to Tom Brady for something like that to happen. The Giants were 5-11 and 11 last year. Don't like that. They may be one of the worst teams in football. I think Cincinnati could be one of the worst teams in football, and they were six and ten last year. You got Pittsburgh and Cleveland and Baltimore in front of them, not happening. Detroit, six and ten last year. Bears, Minnesota, and Green Bay in front of them. Don't like that. Tampa, don't see them leapfrogging all those teams. Arizona, three and thirteen last year. They're not winning the division. The Raiders, from four and twelve to beating the Chiefs and Chargers, don't like it. Um but I, so so, what it comes down to is I honestly think the best chance of this happening is the Jaguars. They went 5-11 and 11 last year. It all fell apart. Obviously, they moved on from Bortles. They got Nick Foles in there. Now, I don't think it's going to happen, but if you're playing the odds, George, I think this is your best chance of the eight divisions for somebody to go from worst to first. Tell me I'm nuts or to agree with me.
2: Well, I think if you like I said it, if you are uh, playing some kind of futures bet where someone tells you, "Hey, there, if one, if there's one team that goes from worst to first, you know, the, the bet's void if it doesn't happen, but if it does happen, pick one." And I think, as you just illustrated, yeah, it, it is the Jaguars, because I would agree. I mean, who else are you going to pick there? All right, no one's beating the Patriots. All right, the, the Giants going over, overcoming Dallas and Philadelphia, unlikely. Forget Detroit. You know, Arizona. I mean, it, it just does make sense because we do believe that Jacksonville is a good team. You know, you got the quarterback problem fixed now. So theoretically, that should help, right? Uh, I, I know Foles has pretty much failed everywhere other than Philadelphia. You know, so I, I'm, I'm, I'm not a believer. I'm not. that uh, the, de- the defense and the offense seem to be fighting with each other. The defense is fighting with the offense. They're fighting with each other as well. Uh, I don't even know what you're going to get out of Leonard Fournette. And I, I'm not a big believer and fantasy handcuffs, by the way. Not in today's game because there's just too many good number two running backs that are valuable. You could start week in and week out. But if you draft Leonard Fournette, you had better get Rykel Armstead as well. Because I don't know what you're going to get out of Fournette. And when he blows up again or gets hurt, he gets hurt every year anyway. Now he's an attitude problem also. So you may want to think about that. Uh, but I would agree with you. As for your argument, I think if you had to pick one, had to pick one, yeah, my bet would be Jacksonville too. Because we know that defense is still pretty damn good. It's right? still damn good if the offense can just be average to a tick above average. They're a threat. And actually, that division is rough. Yeah. You know, I don't think that. I don't, like you said, I don't think they're going to do it either. But if I had to pick somebody, I'm on board with you.
1: Yeah, and Joe, I, I'm really worried about I, it's great that Ngakwe is back. Obviously, he's not going to be particularly happy. I think the dynamic between the offense and the defense last year, was noticeable. You saw the defense even quit in a couple of games like they did against the Titans when Derrick Henry ran all all over them. But I think the frustration really was centered around Bortles. He's not on the team anymore. I think Foles does help that completely. I don't love the weapons around Cole, uh, Foles, it's Keelan Cole and Nick Foles. I don't love the weapons that they gave him, oh, that wide receiver position. I think it's one of the weakest groups in the whole league. But – I'm also, my biggest concern is that Telvin Smith was a leader on defense, and he just sort of up and said, I'm taking time away from football. Um, I don't blame him, but that's another leader gone. Does it create some sort of vacuum of power to the towards the positive? I don't know. Um, and again, I'm not picking them to win the division, but I think it's your best bet. Because if it all came together, Joe, and Foles was good and. You don't have any of these four net issues that George just listed. Um they're obviously going to be a run heavy team. They're built that way. The offensive line is pretty good. Um, so I think there's something there. Um they could get and like, you know, we're already talking about what's up with Andrew Luck. And I don't know what the Tech you know, the Texans could get Watson killed again. And the Titans, as much as I've been a Titans truther for the last couple of years, I'm not picking them over this year. I think it's a talented team, but I I don't know. Mariota's hurt all the time. So that's where I'm at. But you said earlier that you were out on Fournette. So you're just avoiding him really as much as you can, right, within reason? Absolutely, yeah.
3: And, and when you you know you brought up some good points about you know this uh, Jaguars offense and having a, a real weak uh, wide receiver crew uh, surrounding Foles, I don't know. I'm, I'm just looking at it, and I think that we've seen uh, Foles' best days. Uh, unfortunately, it's great that you know. He's a starting quarterback on an NFL team and deserves it based on, you know, what he accomplished uh, with the Eagles. But like George mentioned earlier, he really hasn't accomplished much outside of the Eagle system. Uh, When you look at this offense, it's just a bunch of has-beens and never was right? I mean, you have uh, uh, Terrell Pryor fighting for a roster spot, right? Uh, Marquise Lee coming off a big injury, might not even be on the roster day one. Uh, D.D. Westbrook, intriguing, but, you know, you don't know what you're going to get out of him and uh, not much from the tight ends. I mean, you got Jeff Swain, former Dallas Cowboy and uh, Leonard Fournette, just such a, you know, I mean, when you look at uh, what he's done on the field, admitted that he uh, didn't uh, wasn't in the best shape of his life, uh, getting involved in on-field brawls, uh, just putting himself in bad situations off the field. Uh, I just,
1: do not believe in this uh, Jaguars offense at all. George, according to NFFC ADPs right now, the only two guys that would slot, the only three, excuse me, three draftable assets on the entire Jaguars team, if you're talking 12-team, 16 rounds, is Leonard Fournette, who's going 29th overall, so third rounder, D.D. Westbrook is going 89th overall, so uh, in the middle of the eighth round. And the Jaguars' defense, that's it. Rock Armstead, you made a point that that's a possibility, but um, he's probably even somebody that you can get on waivers. You got Foles, who none of us think can crack the top 15 QBs, right, if, if even the top 20. And then... And These other wide receiver options, Marquise Lee, who's been an option in the past, DJ Chark, who is a burner from last year, but we didn't see anything from him last year. They added Chris Conley, Tyrell Tyrell Pryor, (laughs) but really, what are we going to get out of that? So when you look at it that way, it might be, in terms of fantasy football, the least draftable team in the whole league.
2: Well, you're not wrong. I mean, uh, Nick Foles is a quarterback two at best in Superflex leagues. I mean, I say, and I say that at best. He may not even be drafted there. Maybe more on a quarterback three. I know in that Dynasty League I uh, I play, and I have Foles. And he is literally my quarterback three behind Garoppolo and Carr. It's a one-quarterback league. And I'm trying to trade Foles to a team that might need a quarterback. And I actually got a uh, a, a trade offer from our former, uh, I guess our former director over at the other platform, Mr. Matt Deutsch. But I didn't... Uh, I think offered me a linebacker, and I didn't really need a uh, – I didn't see – I didn't need a linebacker as much as I'm looking for another position there. So I decided to hold on to Foles there. I, like Joe, I don't want to draft Leonard Fournette unless the value is there, and I sort of have uh, you know no other choice but to take Foles, uh, to, to take Fournette because it's just there. If I'm relying – like if I'm going to draft Fournette and I'm going to rely on him, it automatically means I need Armstead later because I'm going to need that handcuff, you know, in case Fornick gets hurt or in case he has more attitude problems, that sort of thing. Uh, but I don't want him. You know, like I said things have to go pretty wrong for me to get it. Well, the value, you know, he fell to the fourth round, fine. I'll take him the values to the good. I agree with you about wide receiver. There's no one there. There's no two there. And there's a lot of mud against the wall. See what sticks. Maybe Lee can come back. Maybe he can't. D.D. Westbrook's sort of that utility knife guy who could do a little bit of everything, but nothing really all that well. You know, Cole, How do you Fryer, feel about Westbrook, though, in Jark, general? Conley. Uh uh Flex guy. You know I think he's a dangerous player at times if they used him right, but we've seen that generally not come yet. You now, the I think the guy I might be most excited about is if you wait on forever on tight end, Josh Oliver. You know, he's more of a tight end too and see what happens there. I could see him being used uh quite often. But as you said, there's nobody that makes me go, Wow, can't wait to get you on my fantasy team. No, not one player on this offense.
1: Yeah, D.D. Westbrook last year, 66 catches for 717 yards, five touchdowns. Uh, obviously, that doesn't really excite you. Um, maybe he'd probably be more utilized in uh, DFS than, than somebody that you have to go out and grab. There's some upside there. If they, They're just going to run the ball so much that there's only so much upside you can have in the passing offense. I think George makes a good point about Josh Oliver long-term. I will say, by the way, full disclosure, I also I traded for Foles in our dynasty league that I'm in with you. George and I are in different conferences. But I traded for Foles because I, I don't know why I'm locked up with Jacksonville quarterbacks long-term, but Blake Bortles was actually a good fantasy asset for a few years there. Uh, he's moved on, he's a backup now. In that league, there's 16 team conferences, so you really desperately need quarterbacks that will start. I have Phil Rivers, and and I needed somebody else, so I drafted Nick Falls. I don't think the numbers are going to be big. It's just in that league, you do need somebody that's an actual starting quarterback. You know, there's guys rolling around with, well, Andrew Luck's my starter and Teddy Bridgewater's my backup. You know what I mean? So that guy... As he gets closer to the season, if Andrew Luck was hurt, he would have to scramble to trade for somebody. I did it at draft time as opposed to uh, a different route. But uh, I got other issues on that team. What'd you give up? It at a later time. <sighs> Good question. I want to say a fourth-round draft pick for next year. No, it was oh, a draft It was okay. a second-round draft pick. Second-round second, second Ooh, round draft i done that. Next year. I'd second round done
2: that. Second-round draft pick
1: next year. It was... I was debating between a two or a three, and I just needed to get the deal done because he was shopping it. So I probably paid the highest price, and I know I I overpaid a little bit. Um, But I made some moves this year. I'm not as active in that league trading, but I I made some moves to get some long-term assets. And next year, my draft is going to be thin. I think I'm down to, like, three picks. But I got Christian Wilkins in a trade. I got – I drafted – I asked for an extra pick, and I got Bobby Okereke. So I have a long-term linebacker piece. And then I have full. So to, to let everybody know, George and I have talked about this league before. And, Joe, it, you've probably heard about it. It's a 45-man roster. Mm-hmm. We start up. 19 players a week, um, 11 IDPs, eight offensive players. We got rid of the kicker last year. Um, so it's a lot to manage. You have a five-man taxi squad, rookie squad. So in order to kind of inch your way up, you got to make some trades. Um our old buddy Mike Florio is in a good position now because he took over a team that our other friend Corey Parson had completely tanked, and he got a whole bunch of assets. So he's got a, The hard part in that league is the running backs, George, right? You just can't get running backs anywhere. You have to either suck and draft somebody at like a Barkley, or you just you got to try to make a move, but people are really unwilling to give up running backs in that league.
2: Oh, you're right. I mean, uh, that's my. Uh, I actually have good running backs. The problem is, one's Melvin Gordon, the other one's Devonta Freeman and Marlon Mack. But I don't have much in uh, in depth there at all. Uh, and I've done very well the last couple of seasons. So as you're sort of hinting there, if you don't finish, if you don't draft at the top, you're not getting a running back. When these dra- when these drafts happen, just like a regular draft. And it's, everyone's taking all the running backs. Every running back is always the first couple of picks there. So you can't gain anybody. So I'm having a very difficult time uh, getting a running back. I think I've lost the championship now the last two or three seasons on the Buffalo Bills. And I keep taking an IDP player in the first round because that's where the value is. Uh, IDPs in this yeah, league are valuable. They're worth uh, – a good linebacker is worth almost as much as a running back sometimes. So it's just the way it is. But you're right. Running back is an issue. And I, like I said, if Gordon holds out, Freeman gets hurt. I'm going to have a lot of problems this year. So I got Chris
1: Carson, Mark Ingram, Ronald Jones. That's my starting squad. So I don't want to hear George complain because he's in a far better position. But <laughs> uh, back to the Jags. I mean, what else can we say? We're talking about three draftable assets. The defense is going to be good. They're going to run the ball a lot. If you get Nick Foles as your QB2 in a super flex I hope that first guy was really good. I just don't think he's going to throw the ball a lot. I, yeah. That's what it comes down to. It's not about Nick Foles, Joe. It's not really about him. It's about how this offense is built. They're just going to run the ball, and they're going to play defense, and they're going to play close games. It's it's why I don't think it's a particularly successful strategy. I just think teams playing like that are putting themselves in position to lose close games. Do you know what I mean? Whereas if yes. you – If you were more aggressive offensively, you would put away some teams. Instead, you're going to be in a dogfight in every fourth quarter, and you generally win half of those. So that's just sort of the way the NFL is. If you're not aggressive offensively, you're going to put yourself in position to lose games.
3: Yeah, yeah, and uh, you talked about, you know, being linked to Blake Bortles in the past, you know, Jaguars uh, quarterbacks. Uh, and the thing that made uh, Bortles valuable in fantasy was before uh, the Jaguars became an elite team, they were playing from behind. You get a lot of garbage points. But uh, I don't right. see this happening. I, I agree with you. I think he would be playing a lot of close games here.
1: He helped me win a Dynasty League title because of those games where he'd be picking up 30 fantasy points in the second half of the game. So we're going to come back with Jason Braddock. To talk Houston Texans. to Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Mike Blue and Joe Galina in for this segment. Bringing Justin Braddock along in a minute. Before I do, I just want to tell everybody to get in the game with DraftKings Sportsbook, where listeners of this show can get a risk-free bet up to $500. Here's how it works. One, just create a DraftKings Sportsbook account. Two, make a deposit. Three, place your first bet. And DraftKings will match it up to $500. So just go to SportsGrid.com backslash DK to play. That's SportsGrid.com backslash DK. And act quickly. This offer won't be around forever. If you have a gambling problem, please, please call 1-800-GAMBLER. 21 and over, New Jersey only. And the eligibility restrictions apply. to see website for details. We're going to bring them in right now. Uh, our friend Jason Braddock. Jason, uh, you and I were messaging yesterday. And it's Houston in the summertime, and it's uh, training camp, so it's hot as
4: Hades down there, right? Uh, yeah, 100%. Uh, Humidity is always bad. Uh, thank you guys for having me on. But uh, always fun to get back to football, getting out there, see, uh, seeing what's going on up close and personal.
1: Yeah, of course. So you can find Jason on Twitter, at Jason Braddock. That's J-A-Y-S-O-N Braddock is B-R-A-D-D-O-C-K. I'll, I'll tweet it out after this because uh, he just does uh, – Uh, kick butt interviews so a couple a bunch of pieces of news out of the AFC South this morning I I feel like it's the strongest division top to bottom Uh, news for you that you can update us on Uh, a uh, Deontay Freeman gets released and two Jadavian Clowney talk as to whether or not he's coming back Bill O'Brien just doesn't really want to talk about it anymore so those two items give us an update
4: yeah, um, Deontay Foreman, uh, this is a guy, uh, Bill O'Brien made some news uh, about a week ago uh, when he was asked about, you know, what's the depth chart look behind? uh, looked like behind the top two running backs. And he quickly quipped back like, well, who's your top two? The reporter replied, uh, Lamar Miller and Deontay Foreman. And O'Brien quickly once again said, well, I I would say there's Lamar Miller. So obviously add pause to the general consensus that Deontay Foreman is that solidified number two. And then obviously with the news coming down today, that Foreman uh, has been waived, that uh, there was proof in the put in there. And now, with Bill O'Brien being that de, de facto GM, um, he's going to go off of his raw emotions. And in the past, that's been an issue. Obviously, reports came out years ago and multiple times that when there's been a guy that's rubbed them the wrong way that O'Brien was ready to move on, and Rick Smith in the past had to step in when he was the GM and say, no, we can't wait this guy. One time, probably the most uh, foretold time, was when he wanted to move on from Ryan Mallett after he missed the – you know, he was late, and he was ready to cut him, and Rick Smith's like, listen, we only got two quarterbacks, two other quarterbacks on the roster. (laughs) You know, we need to have Mallett, and he had to convince (laughs) O'Brien from cutting Ryan Mallett at that point. But there's also – some other issues probably behind the scene that uh, I'm sure may come to the forefront over the next coming weeks and months. So uh, it's just not as clear cut as that. Uh, one of the big issues is special teams. Bill O'Brien is huge on special teams. And that's not something that uh, he had been pleased with, with the play of Deontay Foreman on special teams in practice, happens, if you would.
3: All right, Jason, thanks uh, for coming on. Good talking to you again. Uh, So, talk a little bit about uh, Bill O'Brien. And, uh, you know, he's basically, it seems like he's gotten two GMs fired within the past uh, couple of seasons. Uh, Brian Gain uh, was fired in June. Uh, How much of a role did Bill O'Brien have in this season's draft? And, Is this a Bill O'Brien team or like in a perfect world, what would a Bill O'Brien team look like? I mean, uh, you know, is there anything missing? Do you think that uh, that he that he's happy with the construction of of this roster? I mean, you know, what's his issue with dealing with with GMs? Is it a controlling issue?
4: Uh, yeah Bill O'Brien's always wanted to be uh, have a similar structure similar to what Bill Belichick and where he came from in New England where there's other guys that factor in. they can put their input, but at the end of the day, uh, Bill Belichick's going to have his stamp of approval on everything. That's what Bill uh, that's what Bill O'Brien, excuse me, has wanted to have in place since he came here in 2014. Uh, there was obviously a power struggle between him and Rick Smith. Evidently he finally won out and Rick Smith was replaced with what we were told at the time was uh, Bill O'Brien's guy, Brian Gain, bringing Brian Gain back. He had such a great relationship with him. This is Bill O'Brien's guy, blah blah blah. They're on you know, they're in the same on the same page with everything on football operations, the backside, everything else, then lo and behold. Uh, not even the two years into him being as the GM, the draft passes, free agency, and then moving on from uh, moving on from Brian Gain to evidently go after Nick Casero, who is Bill O'Brien's guy. They they are perfectly aligned alignment 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 was the message that was continuously passed. Well. New owner, Cal McNair, after his dad, Bob McNair, passed, and Bill O'Brien, evidently after Jack Easterby, who was formerly with the Patriots organization, uh, had met at the ring ceremony with Nick Casario, didn't do enough legwork, if you will, to find out that there was writing in the contract that Nick Casario uh, couldn't leave for <clears throat> you know for another position with another team unless it was just dedicated writing. Getting into all the elements of it and as a owner and a head coach, you cannot make that move to fire your GM this late into the off season without not you know, without knowing the terminology and the writing in the contract and then if you are going to make that move you can't just kowtow to the new england patriots when they slap your hand and tell you like no uh we're going to get you for tampering on this well there's been some questions that i think valid questions brought up to where whether uh it was valid for the Patriots to have that writing in Nick Cacero's contract. But instead of fighting them on it, like we've seen in the past so often, Houston wants to keep that relationship to their big brother, New England, and not push them back on this. And it was just a bad sight. You look like the little brother. You look like a minor league organization Uh just Cowering away from the New England Patriots. So they plan on going throughout the rest of this season with Bill O'Brien, Jack Easterby, Chris Olson, the cap guy, and the director of pro scouting and college scouting. All of those guys basically as the genius of the round table, if you will. But make no mistake about it; it's Bill O'Brien's show to run, and I think that was proved today with the uh, waiver of Deontay Foreman. After O'Brien was so open about his discuss with some of the practice elements in Deontay Foreman's game.
1: Again, we're with Jason Braddock. Uh, he joins us uh, from, from Texans training camp. You find him on Twitter at Jason Braddock. So. Uh, It's especially odd considering that there's already stories out there that Casario is just going to join them next year. I don't know why they just wouldn't work through it now when they need a GM. But let me focus on the team here for a sec. Obviously, the offensive line was a massive issue. It has been for a couple of years, and it really came to a head last year. Despite the fact that they were winning games, it was putting Deshaun Watson in a tough spot. They addressed it very specifically with the first two Uh, picks of this year's draft in titus howard and max sharping people were surprised at howard being taken where he was taken but nonetheless they're trying to plug a couple of holes here so what is your take on those two rookies the overall improvement possibly of the offensive line and is it going to be enough to keep watson relatively healthy
4: yeah i would say the uh first off um Matt Khalil's probably been the most pleasant surprise. Uh, looks to be in the best shape I've seen him in his entire career. It's moving along well. Uh, he hasn't looked like a guy that's washed. He hasn't looked like the guy uh, towards the end of his career in Minnesota and the uh, uh, bad years there with the Carolina Panthers. So I would say they've got found, uh, found money with Matt Khalil. And, uh, and where, they're, where they sit with the roster currently, I would say week one the expectation is Matt Khalil actually Goes out there and uh, starts at left tackle uh, for a foreseeable future. Now, Titus Howard, I know a lot of people were down on that pick, but myself, a week before the draft, I tweeted out that if I was selecting an offensive lineman in the first round there where the Texans were, it would be Titus Howard. I think he probably got a knock um, because he just wasn't a household name, played at a smaller school. But you watch his stature, his movement ability, his size, and everything else, he's a perfect fit. Now, the early part – uh, training camp down here he has been playing uh left tackle left guard but they we have to force the issue there at left tackle right now because you have Matt Khalil. You're not, not going to ask that guy if he's playing it well, uh, a bet guy to kick into a guard position. So they've been playing Titus Howard for the most part at left guard. Two practices ago, though, Titus Howard kind of had his ankle rolled back on. D.J. Reader got into his chest, pushed him back, and then the offensive lineman next to uh, Titus Howard, <clears throat> I believe it was Greg Mance at that time, was... Uh, basically over the top, over the right ankle on Titus Howard. So he's been banged up the last two practices and has not played the last two practices. So I would say that would probably be the biggest concern for Titus Howard right now because outside of that, he has played well and it looks like one of the best offensive linemen for the Texas. Max Sharping, they've kicked around a little bit between uh, guard for the most part, specifically the right guard spot. And uh, they gave him some rep at yesterday's practice at right tackle. Uh, The tackle spot does not look like that will be his home. If he finds a home uh, year one, it would probably be that right guard spot. And I think that's something that uh, he's having a little bit more of adjustment period to the NFL level than you're you're seeing with Titus Howard. But um, you know Trent Williams is out there, and with almost forty million in salary cap room this year, over eighty million in salary cap mm-hmm. room next year. If the Texans don't at least make multiple phone calls to Washington to see if Trent Williams can be had, I think that's I think that's a, um, a unforgivable mistake.
3: Yeah, and with all that cap room uh, left over, we were talking earlier in the show, and you bring up a great point. Uh, the, you know, the Texans calling Washington. What about uh, possibly contacting the Chargers? Yeah, you know, and seeing kicking the tires regarding uh, Melvin Gordon.
4: Yeah, there's some thought on Melvin Gordon, but I just uh, it, with what Lamar Miller has shown this off season, and now with Deontay Foreman going, on, Lamar Miller has come in. He's played out that entire free agency contract. He looks to be in great shape this offseason. Looks to even be quicker. And he spoke about that uh, last week when he was talking about he's done a lot of work this offseason with Frank Gore and what's key about that is you're looking at a guy with over 15,000 career rushing yards that continues to do it year after year, even at his current age. And he said some tips Frank Gore gave him was as a vet running back in this league, continue to bring down your body mass every year so you can stay fast, you can stay quicker, and that's what you're seeing from Lamar Miller. I wouldn't specifically say a smaller Lamar Miller. I would say probably more streamlined, still cut up, and he's playing quicker as well. And he's the only guy that you can trust out of all these running backs. Uh, he's the only guy you can trust for pass protection, which still questions on the offensive line and everything yeah. else. I mean, I think Lauren Miller is uh, still of a fantasy value. People want to continue to push him out every year, but he's going to be a steady producer. Uh,
1: I like it. Uh, so that's a good tip. Obviously, we know Deshaun and DeAndre are going to be uh, incredible producers on the uh, for fantasy owners how about everybody else? Give me a sense of Fuller and Kute. And then the tight end position where you have a bunch of guys that drafted Collie Warring, who I like long-term, but can he make an impact as a rookie? That's a lot to ask for a guy that just started playing football a few years ago. So yeah, uh, give me some thoughts I'll- on Fuller, Kute, and then the tight end.
4: Yeah, absolutely. All great points there. Uh, Will Fuller, uh, 11 touchdowns in 11 regular season games when he plays with Deshaun Watson. That tells you all you need to know about Will Fuller. If he's healthy, if he's playing he's going to be a mass producer for you. Uh, he's healthy out there. Coming off of a, another severe injury, he's out there. He's playing. He's saying he's not at 100%. You can't tell because he's flying around the field, looks good, leaving guys in his dust. Uh, so the only question with Will Fuller is if he can stay healthy through throughout the entire 16-game season. Even Bill O'Brien spoke on that and saying, uh, basically paraphrased the saying the exact same thing. It's Will Fuller. We just want to see him for 16 games. So uh, there's nothing. to special, I can give you on that. I can't, I mean, law of averages, I would say it's stacked against them because every year it seems to... <laughs> Excuse me. Every year it seems to be a nagging injury for him. But if he's healthy and he stays on the field, he's going to be a producer for you. Whether you uh, look to target him in DFS early on, while you know he has that health, or if you try to roll the dice on a season long and hope for a sixteen game full season. Kiki Q T. Uh, he is the perfect slot guy for a Bill O'Brien offense. Uh, Bill O'Brien's first year in Houston, we asked him about the offense, and he said the key position is that slot position. He's never had that guy. He's finally got Kiki QT they found last year. He had hamstring injuries coming early on into camp. Uh, They tried to rush him back a little bit too much, so he struggled with it all year. But, look, he was the top receiving uh, producer in the playoff game against the Colts. Kiki Q T is a guy that, especially in PPR formats, is going to be gold. Because I don't think you look throughout his career, even as former coaches in college, they all say he's not a guy that struggled with this long injury history. I just think he had a hamstring hit him at the wrong time wanted to come back earlier than he should have. Kiki QT is a guy that I definitely think, especially, again, in all PP, you know, PPR formats, that you really want to target. Because I think with Deshaun Watson, especially if there's still some concerns with the O-line, Deshaun's getting the ball out quick. And here you go. And the guy in Kiki QT that can run those underneath routes and get you yak after the catch. Uh,
1: so at the tight end position, Jordan Thomas going to be the main guy there? Or is this ball going to be spread <laughs> Well, around?
4: I would – I would definitely say Jordan Thomas would be the plan to be the main guy the issue is, is after those first two practices he hasn't practiced um, what I'm hearing, they, you know, Bill O'Brien and the Texans aren't really open with um, injuries but uh, what I'm hearing is that it's a hamstring injury with Jordan Thomas O'Brien's starting to get frustrated without Jordan Thomas being out on the field Keep, keeps him that he needs to get back out there before the uh, before the injury that's caused him to miss every practice since the first two, he was looking like a breakout monster for this season. Jordan Aikens is a guy that can move around, catch the ball very well and Darren Fels is going to get a lot of rep. At 6'7", 280, he looks like another tackle and with their issues he'll be on the field a lot just as that blocker to secure deshaun watson's time in the pocket uh you mentioned kahil wearing i would say he's just got on the field this year and i completely agree with you this tight end but there's a lot to learn from i think he's going to struggle and i wouldn't expect anything from him until year three
1: good stuff out of jason braddock thanks for joining us jason uh you can find him on twitter at jason braddock for all texans news thanks
0: back.
1: Reaching for the finish line here and the final segment of Weekend Fantasy Update. Mike Blewett, Joe Galena, George Kurtz, we just had Jason Braddock on. And he was giving us the news from Texans camp. Uh, interesting stuff there. A big positive for Lamar Miller. Currently going seventh round. Uh, but if you're zero RB in it, I think Lamar Miller is an interesting test case there, right? I, I, I've, I've been out on Lamar Miller the last couple of years just because their offensive line has been so bad. Um, but I wonder if this is some value for him here. Um, if it could get this offensive line kind of sort of fixed. Not doesn't mean it have to be great, but the Matt Khalil news, in addition to the two rookies, that's a lot that's changing potentially. He says Matt Khalil's going to start at left tackle. So that could be three new starters um, on an offensive line. Now, continuity is really important, and they don't have that yet, but um, that's an interesting plus for... Uh, the Texans. And I think he yeah, I think he told you everything you want to know about Kiki Kuti. He's in. He's in on Kiki Kuti. Yeah, so, love, love uh, him. Yeah. So there you go. Yeah. Uh, and that guy, let's see, Kuti, 95. Looking at it here. He's going just about the end of the eighth round there for Kuti. So uh, Will Fuller is just risky for me. George, don't you think? Like Will Fuller, yeah, yeah the explosivity is there, but – you're paying a decent price for him, and I just don't want to have a guy that's that injury risky at that price, which is like a seventh round, six, six, six and a half round pick.
2: Explosivity. Did we just invent a new word? <laughs> Isn't, it? Isn't that a real word? <laughs> I don't know. I like it. I know. I, I've invented words right, for well, in, because it. of fantasy, right? Keepable, stuff like that. Uh, so, I don't know. Explosivity. I kind of <laughs> like it. <laughs> Okay. I it's think we could so so name much. a team. I like both of you know, them. I, I could call, yeah. my, I could call my, my call team uh, the Explosivities or something like that. The anyway. state of being explosive, um, explosivity. Uh, yeah. Only Mike would actually okay. look it up to check.
1: You yeah, okay I now? Know, I know you had, you had you threw me you threw me off, you threw me off. I well, didn't you're know.
2: A oh, okay. the tank. I explosivity. It yeah. All right, so back to Will Fuller. Uh, I think the problem with will no, Fuller, Fuller. <laughs> Would be, can he stay healthy? All right? Because we, he's never played 16 games in the NFL. All right? Three seasons, he's played 31 games, so he's averaging about 10 games a season. That's six games missed. That's not good. That's the issue there. Because we, we all think that if he stays healthy, well, we know what defense is what? Double covering Hopkins. The game plan is all about Hopkins. Stop Hopkins. Do anything you can do to stop Hopkins. No one cares about the wide receiver, too he's always going to face the uh, the lesser of the two cornerbacks. Never going to see double coverage. Never going to see a safety over the top. So we are all interested in Fuller. You know, Deshaun Watson looks up, looks like he's ready to take that next step into superstardom. He's not already there. So I'm interested in Fuller, but there's a large degree of uh, of caution here. You know, I say, can he stay healthy? And if he can't, you know, does Q, Cootie does he take over that job? You know, is he going to get more looks from Watson? That sort of thing. So it's dangerous to rely on Fuller. Uh, I don't have him ranked as a wide receiver, too. I I fully admit there's upside to wide receiver, too. You know, to probably the mid-range wide receiver, too, but I can't draft him as such. So for me, uh, guys, it's going to come down to where, you know, where in my draft is he available? Where, Where is the risk-reward thing? I mean, I'd much rather have guys like Godwin, Lockett, DJ Moore, uh, Mike Williams, Ridley with uh, Landry if you want to put him in this category, I would much rather have those guys over him because I trust them more. I'll do them all if he can play sixteen games. Yeah. Hell if he can play fourteen games I would take. If he's playing really right now he's gonna play fourteen games, I'd probably be okay with that, just assuming those two games he's going to miss aren't in my fantasy playoffs.
1: I think I'm really interested in Q T at his price and Jason got me a lot more interested in Miller, along with obviously the fact that they are releasing Uh, They have released Deontay Foreman, um, and it doesn't sound like they're going to bring in somebody uh, based on what Jason just said. They might bring in somebody, but are they going to trade for LaShawn McCoy or Melvin Gordon or any of those guys? I don't know. Uh, I think they're going to roll with what they have and maybe look for scraps uh, throughout the preseason for backups, you know, move, move pieces. Mm -hmm for backups if they have to move in anything and not for a new starter. For example, uh, the McCoy thing is interesting to me just because they have 40 million left on the cap. Um, and it's the last year of a deal. So you're just, you know, you're just using up cap money. But uh, according to a couple people on Twitter, they they think that the Texans are a little too conservative to deal with some of the Sean's off field stuff. So let's move on to the Titans. We got about 12 minutes to go. Um, I've been a Titans truther. I still think there's potential here for this team. And I, I think they're very good roster top to bottom. They lost, they're losing Taylor Lewan, They're starting left tackle due to a, a suspension, which he fought sort of admitted to doesn't look like he's going to win any kind of appeal. Um, didn't know he was taking a supplement. So he says um, he was emotional about it in his apology, which I'll take him at his word that he's, they never uh, know. No uh, none of them never know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, here it, it's an easy bright line test for the NFL. Even the Golden Tate stuff, which is a really legitimate excuses. It's an easy to it? have a bright line test. If you're taking something, you have to look at it before you take it. I don't care what it's for. That's that's the rule and it's easy for the NFL to abide by that, right, George?
2: I might completely believe Golden Tate and everything he said, and you deserve these four games just for being stupid. For taking something without checking yeah. from a doctor. Well, what are you doing? What are you doing? Yeah. All right. Uh, yeah. No. Uh, I don't buy any of these excuses. Like I said, you're just, you're just an idiot in my mind you know, if you're taking this stuff. You yeah. know you're getting tests. They test you all the time, and you think you're going to get away with it? So I don't feel bad for you. I said, I, and I do believe Golden Tate. I think what he is, he's saying the truth, and you still deserve your four games because you were stupid. You were just stupid for doing it without yeah. checking. The NFL. They, I mean, this is not the first year of this policy. It's been going on for years. They tell you to check. Call your agent. Call the yeah. NFL. There's a hotline okay. to call. There's no excuse for this. There's just no excuse, and it it just drives me insane here. But what he saw, uh, Oh yeah, dog, I'll just take the pills. and you you don't check, you don't think it might have something. I mean, come on. I, I just it's just dumb. That's that's why when I say that when you just for being just for the stupidity of it, you deserve to be suspended for four games. Yeah. Just for that. Yeah. It's and people e- think the uh, you know the appeal. To check. You're gonna win the appeal. It says it right in the line. There are okay. no excuses. In the car, and that's why the that's why the NFLPA doesn't really fight this. There's nothing you can do. It says it right there. There are no right. excuses. And why? I you may feel like, oh, come on, it's, he doesn't deserve it, because then the NFL would have to investigate every claim. Every claim would have to be investigated, yeah. which would bog this down forever. So there's just no excuses for this.
1: See you in October. There's 1,700 guys. So 1,700 guys starting in, in week one. There's many more that will play throughout the year. You're talking 2,000 players a year that are playing in the NFL. Um, Everybody's got the same policy. If you're going to take a supplement, you have to check ahead of time. I believe Golden Tate – I still think I don't understand. I, he did everything right after the fact, but I don't. What he didn't do is check beforehand. I'm taking a new substance. I think I need to check ahead of time. That's that's his fatal mistake. So, in terms of this policy, so let's back to the Titans. Taylor Lewan, four games out. You got Marcus Mariota last year, fifth year option, same position as Jameis Winston. They were the one and two picks in the 2015 draft, and they're both sort of on the hot seat as far as their long term um, capabilities here. Uh, we're taking a look at the Tennessee Titans offense from top to bottom. And George, Derrick Henry is the first. Joe, let me go with you. Sorry, Joe, with you first. Derrick Henry going 39th overall. Uh, what are your thoughts on Derrick Henry? I have him on my Scott Fishbowl team. I'm not averse to him. He's obviously a one-trick pony, but it might be a pretty good trick with a team that uh, plans to run the ball a decent amount.
3: Yeah, when you look at uh, what their offense looked like last season, they ran the f- second-fewest percentage of passing plays. Uh, you know, Derrick Henry, uh, what does he have, a, a strained uh, calf, was in a walking boot. So that's a little concerning, but early enough in the offseason where you would think that he'd be okay for the start of the season, really finished the season strong. Uh, you know, I, I, I don't... Uh, Mind you taking him in, in the Scotty Fishbowl. Uh, uh, but, you know, just like so many other players, just not only on the Titans, just a, a lot of little nagging little questions, you know, involved. But if he could just pick up where he left off last season and if the, the, the uh, Titans just keep on feeding him the ball, uh could be a you know nice season uh, fantasy-wise for Henry.
1: Uh, George, I'll throw it over to you. Um, here's the group, right? Derrick Henry, it's a fourth-round draft pick. You got Corey Davis, seventh-round draft pick. Uh, Delaney Walker, Deion Lewis, Adam Humphreys. That's really your group. Mariota, we know, you know, in a super flex league, there's that's his only value right now, um, I think. I mean, if, if you're in a league where everybody's drafting two QBs, even if it's a one QB league, uh, there's not many of those anymore. But... Um, Reality is that's your group. Henry, Davis, Walker, Deion Lewis, Adam Humphreys. They drafted A.J. Brown. Which, which guys do you want out of that group?
2: Which guys do I want out of this group? Well, I want nothing to do with the quarterbacks, uh, Mariota. No, thank you. Okay. You mentioned in a super flex league, uh, low-end quarterback too. Okay, but that means you're going to have some problems there. It's a shame, but uh, Mariotta is probably one of the top five players this year with the most pressure on him. Because he's got to get that new contract, stay in Tennessee, or or he's going to be a journeyman going from team to team to team. Uh, I think, Yeah, Jameis is up there as well. I think Jameis is in a much better situation. He has better weapons around him, and Bruce Arians likes to throw the football. Uh, I also have Henry on my Scott Fishbowl team. Uh, Obviously, Mike and I don't play in the same division there. So, uh, eh, I mean, the injury, it happened early in camp, and I'm not really all that worried about it, more annoying than anything else. You know, the group as a whole, Henry being the – you know, uh, the, the Thunder and Deion Lewis being the guy out of the backfield should work. Decent offensive line. Actually, more than decent. But, uh you know, Deion Lewis really hasn't done what he did in, uh, anywhere near in New England with Tennessee. The wide receiver core, I mean, I do like the addition of Humphreys. But for fantasy, he was much better off in Tampa Bay. They're just not going to throw the ball as much here. Corey Davis was still waiting to be that guy. You know, or is it now it's, it's A.J. Brown? You know, who, what's going to happen? It doesn't matter because it's Marcus Mariota throwing him the football. And there's no consistency there. Delaney Walker, I like him as a tight end, but he's up there in age as well, coming off from a pretty bad injury. So what can he be? You know, I, I have him in the uh, Scott Fishbowl as well, but he's my tight end too. Uh, once again, Scott Fishbowl, extra half point for uh, tight ends as far as yardage and catch. So that's why I have him there, a little bump there. But with the ankle injury, he's 34 years old. Actually, he'll be 35 in a week next uh next Monday happy birthday Delany so uh happy that's old for a tight end happy birthday a lot of birthdays in August they gave okay. is next weekend as well so look at that uh my daughter's in the 16th uh my niece my nephew maybe mine too but I'm not telling you <laughs> so anyway uh Delaney Walker up there in age I like him but he's got the same problem right coming off injury old age and you know Marietta throwing you the football what can we really expect of him so I have question marks throughout the, uh, really throughout this whole team here. I do like Henry. Henry's the one guy I probably trust the most. But even him, you know, he had a great last quarter of the season last year. ruined some fantasy teams, or maybe he didn't ruin anybody because no one had him in those a lot of those big weeks he had because we didn't know he was going to ha- break out like that. So we'll see if, if when it comes to Henry, is he the player of the last quarter of the, of the season last year, or the player who was the first three quarters of the season, which was blah flex guy, not a guy you needed to start week in and week out.
1: The the prices you're paying for these guys right now, Henry's a fourth-rounder, Davis a uh, seventh-rounder, Walker and Lewis are really like 11th, 12th round, and Humphrey's pretty late. To George's point, good receiver, like him, good addition to the team, but uh, he could be really interesting. We've used the term sleeper, Joe. We overused the term sleeper. Humphrey's is the type of guy where people are like, ah, they're not going to throw much. I don't know. What if he takes over the catches from Deion Lewis and they like utilizing the slot better than Lewis coming out of the backfield? I don't know. There's something there. Ultimately, there's probably not enough balls in the air, but it could be an interesting addition. And I do like Walker. I think everything George said is fair, but I'm going to take a shot at Walker because I'm waiting on tight end. And I think he's a guy that I could have and somebody that Mariota trusts. Yeah, uh, th- th-
3: Perfectly said about the Mariota trusting Walker. It's almost like a safety blanket, like, you know, just, you know, how uh, with, with Rivers and Antonio Gates, just, they have that connection there. And, uh, you know, but you look at, uh, Humphreys, it's another good point in terms of, you know, if Mariota gets into trouble, you know, he has a very reliable slot receiver and Humphreys to throw the ball to, but you look at all these receivers. I mean, uh, you know, we've been waiting for, you know, a couple of years now for Corey Davis to take, that uh, that success in college and, and move it over into the NFL, but like I said before, the Titans are a uh, a run first team. You look at a the, the couple other of these wide receivers, AJ Brown. Look what he did uh, for Ohio State. Uh, uh, Taewon Taylor. I mean, Taewon Taylor is not fantasy relevant, but I mean the, the guy has shown that in college he's a big time. He could be a big time receiver. Uh, I, I guess it's just the fact that maybe you know the. You know, Mariota's not built to uh, to throw the ball, uh, you know, a long way.
1: I think for I think for uh, Taylor, unfortunately, they signed Humphreys and drafted A.J. Brown. So I think he's found himself buried on the depth chart, as is Tajay Sharp. I just yeah, think yeah, that their time sure. is going to be uh, the time is running out for them. So uh, right, right. let's take a look at this division then real quick. George, you have the Colts winning this division?
2: I do. Yeah, I think they're the best overall team here, once again, of course. Uh, you know, the disclaimer we always have to say now, assuming luck is healthy.
1: Yeah. you think anybody else makes the playoffs from this division?
2: I think it's tough. We I mean, look at wild card teams. I don't have anybody from the AFC East. Uh, I think either Chiefs or Chargers, whichever one loses there, uh, gets in. So now you're talking about, I'm going to put Cleveland as the winner of the AFC North. I'll buy in there. Pittsburgh, Houston, Jacksonville, Tennessee. You know, so I think it's going to be very tough. I'm going to give Pittsburgh the edge here because yeah, I think uh, once again, this division could knock off each other.
1: Um, I think you might be right. Joe, are you in lockstep with George? Uh, you have the Colts winning the division with anybody else here making the playoffs?
3: I can see the Texans uh, making the playoffs. I can even see them. Uh, if, if their offensive line gels – I can see them even uh, winning the division, so I think it's gonna be a a two-man race in this Uh, uh, division. They won it last year. It's
1: not crazy. Uh, They need Clowney back. Yeah, he has to come back. Yeah, they need Clowney Mm -hmm. back in order for him to take a step. I, I think this is a really tough division. I'm also with George here. I'll I'll pick the Colts. The AFC got deep in a hurry. I just do look. I don't think the Jets are gonna make the playoffs, but I think somebody like the Jets could actually be pretty good. Win a bunch of games. Um, the Seven, he already eight games, talked about yeah. the AFC North. A few other teams in there that are difficult to beat. The Ravens are nothing to sneeze at. So, I think I'll go with the Colts winning the division, and I think it comes apart. I think it co- it doesn't come apart for the Texans completely this year. I just think it makes it difficult for them to make the playoffs. So, there we are. AFC South. Three hours up. Three hours down. It's weekend wagers next. Thanks to Sean Angle, Joe, and George.